Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 20, the funniest movies ever. This is Chris McBrien here along with Yancey Eaton. This is Pop Goes Your World. You can always reach us at on Twitter at Yancey Eaton or at C McBrien. And if you want to reach out to us on email, it's Chris or Yancey at popgoesyourworld.com. Yancey, what is going on in the world of pop for you this week? Um, Once again, same thing as last week. Not a whole lot just because of <laughs> busy the holiday guy. schedule yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Very busy guy. Um, I'm off this weekend and I'm pretty excited. I have like Very a... Cool. a a, a niece's uh, like singing recital thing I have to go to tomorrow. I say have to. I get to go to. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, and uh, I'm currently sitting out here, Chris. We were talking off air just before we started recording. Um, I'm sitting out here in like a new kind of like a, a detached garage that my wife and I had paid to, to be built out here. And uh, you know, I just started recording out here, so it kind of like gets me out of the house. My wife doesn't have to be you know super quiet while I record. And I keep hearing like these like you know scratching animal sounds outside. And I don't know if I should be like, you know, alarmed or what, because like I, <laughs> I keep hearing it and I'm like, I don't know, a little, a little cautious. Cause I'm not sure exactly what it is I'm hearing. If, if whatever this animal is, is trapped inside this shed with me. So if you guys hear me like sounding a little distracted, that's probably what it is. I'm just looking out for my own like self-preservation here. So man, lucky, lucky that we're not, me. yeah, lucky we're not doing our horror movie episode. You'd be freaking out big time. You know, yeah, I wanted to mention one more thing too, before we yeah. jump into the show. Uh, we got a really cool email from Scott, Scott Stapolsky. He's a uh, uh, obviously a listener, and uh, I think he initially emailed you first and you tagged me in it, but uh, just a really cool uh, you know, feedback that we got from a couple shows ago that we did. Remember when we did our cult films, number one cult movies? Yes, yes. Yep, and uh, he basically sent us a quick, a quick email and said, uh, did you guys realize that both of your number one cult movies feature Meatloaf in them? And Fight Club, his name was Robert Paulson. That is so random that like we didn't make that connection, but he's absolutely right. How weird was that? Yeah, because my number one cult movie was the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and he was, of course, Eddie in, in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, so that's really, really cool, man. Yeah, that is some good stuff. Uh, it was a really good catch on his part, that's for sure. And uh, and it was, yeah, that's very interesting. Keep the, keep the emails coming, by all means, and uh, get into the show here. Uh, a couple things for me. This week, uh, on the weekend for, for my birthday, my wife took me out to a to a concert. We went to see Rick Emmett. So Rick Emmett was formerly of the rock band Triumph, the Canadian mm-hmm. progressive rock band, one of my favorite bands of all time. And so we went to the concert. Uh, it was him with his new band. They're called uh, Resolution Nine. And but he was playing like a lot of his old stuff, a lot of the old Triumph songs. Man, was it! fantastic we had great seats i posted up a link to a, a video from the show it was it was out it, he's 63 years old and he's on stage playing guitar like it's just the most effortless thing ever and just mm-hmm. phenomenal and the guitar player he had playing with him uh, his name was i believe it was dave dobson and he was really really good too but you know even they were doing um a triumph one of one of triumph's most popular songs was called somebody's out there and um when they did that song, when when the other guitar player was playing the, the high part for it, you know, he sounded good. But then when Rick Emmett played it, it just was so much better. He just plays with, I don't know, an effortless soul to I, I can't even explain it. It was 
phenomenal. So that's one thing that we did. And then the other thing is looking forward to, I guess, uh, about two weeks from now, I went ahead online and I've pre-bought my tickets for Rogue One. And the cool thing is, Very is nice. that there's a new theater here in town. Uh, so I live in Barrie, Ontario. It's a city of about 160,000 people north of Toronto. And uh, so I bought tickets. There's a new theater in the north end. And there's special seating. I don't know if you have this at, at your local theater there, Yancy. There's special seating in the middle. And these are seats that actually move and they shake along with the action in the film. And so there's a few extra bucks to sit there, but I'm going with a buddy of mine, the same guy that I went to, um, um, oh, we went down to uh, Fan Expo together. Uh, so mm. me and him, and, and we're, we're, both, we're all taking our kids, and it's, we're all Star Wars fans. So that's another thing we got going on. Should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. So it should be good. Uh, anyway, like I said, we've got a great, great topic tonight. And I one of my one of my favorite things ever is comedy movies, and we're going to get into some of our favorite ones, at least the funniest movies of all time. Yancey, are you ready to go? I'm ready, man. Let's do it. All right, here we go. The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. My parents watched this with me and they hated it, like a lot of movies that I've already mentioned on this show. Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. Man, Eddie Murphy did some of the best impressions I've ever heard. Shabadoo and Boogaloo Shrimp. Chris. I've rewatched it as an adult. I still like it. This brassiere is killing me and this guard belt is riding up my ass. Oh my, my, my. What could possibly go wrong? My parents pieced out like halfway through it. I'm good, thanks. Yep, we're good. Okay, so like I say, we're going to be cutting down our top five funniest movies ever on tonight's show. So it's going to be great. Yancey, why don't you kick us off? We'll start at number five, work our way to one. Your number five funniest movie ever. Go. Okay, so we... I don't know what your research process looks like for the show. Um, I think you have a lot more of this kind of stuff like built into your head already. But like for me, a lot of times I find it like really helpful to kind of go online and look over some stuff and read a few things and see if I'm missing something, you know, that doesn't immediately come to mind. So I was, you know, scrolling through like some lists and stuff like that from like Rolling Stone and IMBD lists and stuff of like, you know, the greatest comedies of all time, you know, just to make sure that I wasn't missing anything. And to be honest with you, like I was drawing a blank. Like I could think of a couple, but rounding up my top five, I had to do a little bit of research and um, man, I kept seeing the same names over and over, the same movies and all these different, uh, you know, all these different lists and, and critics lists and fan created lists. And there are a lot of really popular comedies that I have never seen. Like we've talked about this before. This is well documented that like I have this gigantic hole when it comes to pop culture, like namely with movies. Like I've never seen Airplane before, Chris. Like oh, I need to see oh, Airplane. Man. I've never seen Blazing Saddles. Like oh, I, I need to see these. I know. But oh. so – Yes. I almost feel bad like talking about this because you know there are going to be just some really egregious omissions and this is a really long preface to what I'm about to say but um, so let me just jump into number five real quick and that's Money- sorry just a preface it's perfectly okay because the whole point of the show is that you're a millennial and I'm a Gen Xer so your five funniest movies are going to be different from mine there might be some overlap though I got to give you a little bit of a preface three of my five movies have come have been released since 1999 surprisingly that enough that really surprised me might shock you so you never know we might have some overlap but anyway sorry go ahead what's your five yeah um, so number five for me I was talking with my wife just before the show um, you know running some stuff by her seeing what you know I, I always bounce ideas off my wife you guys know this I mention it every week um, and we were talking about Monty Python and the Holy Grail I've only seen it a handful of times, and I, I don't want to act like it's my favorite movie, but I wanted to avoid talking about Office Space or Dodgeball again because <laughs> those movies already get like a ton of play as far as you know my analysis goes. Um, so I'm going to slot Monty Python and the Holy Grail in at number five simply because um, it's one of those few movies where uh, – I mean, obviously the acting, the driver's humor is fantastic. Uh, the dialogue is one of the most 
oddball, like unusual things I've I've ever seen. And I didn't realize this the first time I'd watched it, I think just because I was younger and I wasn't really paying attention to the movie. But going back and, and watching it a second time, I watched it a few weeks ago, I didn't realize that there were several characters in there played by like three or four actors. Oh, yeah. Like between yeah. between like Eric Idle, John Cleese and Graham Chapman, like that was basically like 15 characters yep. in this, which I can really, really appreciate. I think that's awesome. I mean, obviously scenes like um, – you know, having a guy, cl- you know, clamp like coconut shells or coconut husks together to be like, a, you know, the sound of a horse, like, you know, coming up or uh, like the, the, the French guy in the castle or fighting the, you know, the Black Knight. I mean, there's just so many things about like that are just iconic scenes that even if you haven't seen the whole movie, like you've seen, you know, you, you've seen excerpts of this movie before. It's just it's just like the driest of dry as a squirrel outside is like going crazy on my roof. Sorry. Um, I'm going to slot it at number five. I'm not going to act like I'm like the biggest fan of the, you know, of the whole genre or of Monty Python in, in general, but um it is just a really really funny movie, super super original and just like the whole the whole premise of the movie is something that um I mean, it just has so much staying power. You know, I what what year did the movie come out? Do you even know? 1975. Of course you know. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And, you know. and so, congratulations by the way, the millennial picks a film from 1975 for his list. I am yeah. very impressed. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to throw it in there just for staying power alone. And like I said, I love original movies, and this is definitely an original. So that's my number five. There you go. Like I say, I'm going to go with a couple of newer movies. I'm going to surprise you with, with some of these. Uh, okay, my, my number five is from 1999, your favorite year of all time, mm-hmm. and that's South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. I was a huge fan of South Park right from the beginning. And yeah, I know like, it was rude, it was crude, but I, you know, by season three, it was really starting to shape up into some of the best social satire that we'd probably seen in a, a long, long time. And I tell you, when they came out with the movie, I think a lot of people just thought, oh, you know, it's just going to be like those foul-mouthed kids in a full-length movie. But instead, what you got was this social satire about censorship, and it's wrapped up in a musical, and what a musical it was. Like, the mm-hmm. songs were incredible. Blame Canada was nominated for an Oscar. Um, I think it definitely, <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it, they lost to, uh, to Phil Collins. But I mean, it was nominated. Um, like I think it really um, sort of paved the way for Parker and Stone to move into Broadway. You know, which by the way, Yancey, I don't know. Have you ever have you had a chance to see the Book of Mormon? I have not. It I came not. it came to Toronto in uh, 2014, and my wife and I went. It was fantastic. Like the night we went to, I remember the understudy was playing the lead role, uh, Elder Price, and and obviously, um, what was his name, Josh Gad? Uh, he didn't come to Canada to play Elder Cunningham. I think the actor was Christopher Christopher John O'Neill. He was a fantastic. The, the whole cast was. But anyway, that's that's an aside. Like for the South Park movie, one of the things that I liked about it too, uh, it was oh the way that it started out. So you've got this. Okay, so the TV show, South Park, is just known for being crass and vulgar, right? And then there's now a movie uh, where they can basically say and do anything that they want. Anything that they can't do on TV, they can now do in this movie. So you go there and you're expecting to see, like, the crudest of the crude. And the movie opens up with a musical number about this quiet little mountain town. And and you're watching it and you're thinking, uh, okay, what's the hitch? You know what I mean? Like, what what's going on with this? It's like everything's sweet. And, and then, mm-hmm. you know, when's it going to turn the corner? And then the kids go to see the Terrence and Philip movie. And then... And they do the song Uncle <laughs> like, okay here we go and I tell you Parker and Stone I think those guys are comedy geniuses two of their movies make my top five list but it's bigger longer and uncut that's going to kick it off for me so that's my five on to your four I, I was not expecting to hear South Park tonight that is really unusual and by the way have you identified the link between the two movies that we've already listed um, what's the link between the movies 
Eric Idle obviously is in Minecraft. Oh Pop, yes, and Eric Park. Idle is also in the South Park movie because he's yep, the doctor he's trying to implant Dr. the Vosk knocker. Yeah, yep. yep. that's right, the V chip guy. Oh, very cool. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, um, I, like I said, that kind of caught me off guard because I was not expecting to hear uh, South Park, but that is a very, very interesting pick. I another one of those movies where I've only seen it once or twice. But like maybe I should go back and like make a make a night of it and watch it. A lot, of, a lot of this I'm basing this on. Like when I say funniest movies are the ones that I genuinely laughed at the most. And mm-hmm. when I was in the theater watching South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, I lost my mind. Like I was just laughing. I was literally rolling in the aisles. I just I loved it. I loved every minute of that movie. Word. All right. So my number four, Chris, is a uh, Dumber and Dumber. It's ah nice. It's, uh, it's really hard with comedies because like if it, it I, I don't know how to base. I don't know how to characterize these type of jokes. I'm sure you know what the exact word is, but like there are jokes where like they don't have replay value um you know once you hear the punchline it's basically a dead joke you know what i mean like you you can only hear it so many times and it just kind of like loses its pizzazz and uh i don't really experience that with dumb and dumber at all i've probably seen this movie 50 times i can't tell you how many times i would go it's like a house party or something like that and it's just on in the background like it's like one of those like weird movies that's like it's it's like a wallflower movie where like if you can't figure out something to to put on with like you and your group of friends it's always just dumb and dumber in the background i don't know if you ever experienced anything like that but i did um it's i mean jim carrey obviously is just iconic in this and a lot of people don't realize this about like the big gap or the you know the big cutout in his tooth Mm -hmm. that's a real that's a real tooth and uh he they were trying to make him look super dorky whatever because like they kept saying whenever they were creating the movie that you know he looks too normal he looks too normal like how can we get him more in character and he literally took the cap out in his tooth and like oh this is perfect this is so perfect like we have to go with this and uh it's just a stupid movie and like um i mean there's so many things i can i can quote from it like it weird storyline weird premise and stuff obviously best scene i think has to be when like when the girls pull up in the bus you know and they're they're looking for two guys to to you know to rub oil on them and and all this stuff and they're like well you know if you just go right down the road and man wouldn't it be great to be those guys someday it's just like it's so stupid you know what i mean it's so stupid it never stops being funny um no, nobody in my family really cares for the movie i i think i've identified this like that whole genre of just like so, like like so stupid it's not it's you know it's I mean, it's like blatantly stupid, basically. Like that has never really resonated with anybody in my family. So, like, I don't have like a support group when it comes to movies like this. But I'll always love this movie. I'll always go back to it. And like I said, if it's ever on like you know Showtime or something like that, or if it's ever on in the background, I'll always watch it. So that's my number four. You know what? I gotta just gotta step in, like, because that movie I like that movie a lot too. The the part that you talked about when with the girls on the bus came at the very very end of the movie, and I remember when right. I, when I saw the film, and they go through the whole movie and they're the stupidest guys ever, and then the end of the movie comes and this bus pulls up with all these beautiful women. And then they're like, um, they're like, oh, do you guys know where we could find some guys that just want to ride around with us and, and oil us up? And, and they're like, they're like, oh yeah, there's a town right up there. There'd be lots, lots of guys for you to get. And they're like, okay. And then they drive away. And then they chase after the bus. And they go to, ch- and then as soon as they, and they chase it down, and the bus stops, and they run up to it. And I thought, no, no, they're not going to let these guys it. win. They're they're, they're yeah. totally blowing the whole premise of the movie. And Jim Carrey looks at him, and goes, oh, oh, so glad that we caught up to you. The town's that way. That way. And then yeah. I was like, yes, it's just <laughs> such so gratifying. I'm like, cause you're like, oh, good. I thought you can't let these guys win. You can't because they're such losers. I that was yep. a good one. I like. And that. the look, and the look the woman gives them. Exactly. How she just like looks them down. Like, what the hell? What like, are you never mind. Exactly. Yep. Oh, Oh, that's great. Okay. Um, okay. My number four came out in 2006. I'm going to give you the subtitle of the movie and see if you can guess what it is. It's okay. Cult- Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. 
uh, Borat? It is Borat, and the whole yes. movie is hilarious. I loved it. Very nice. I basically laughed the entire time I was in the theater, but I tell you, <laughs> the, the scene with Borat comes out of the bath with the towel around him, and he catches Azamat <laughs> with the, the Baywatch book. And he's looking at the pictures of Pamela Anderson and he's pleasuring himself. Oh my. And then Borat gets mad at him and they start to nude wrestle and it turns into this massive naked fight. I I was literally, I was laughing so much. My wife turned at me. I went to the movie with my wife. At the, she wasn't my wife at the time, but we went. And she turned at me one point and she's like, oh my God, you're crying. And I was like, I was laughing like, without a doubt, like the loudest, hardest I've ever laughed in a movie in my life. And the fact that Borat had that black censored box that was covering up his genitals, but Azamat didn't have one because he was so fat he didn't need it. <laughs> you couldn't see anything anyway. <laughs> I was losing my mind. And then the best thing about it is, you and I have talked before, we like those jokes that just keep going and going and going and going. And, yes. then, and the fight just kept going. And then you think it's over and then they're in the hall and then they're in the elevator and then all of a sudden they're, they're in this big conference full of people. And Oh man, oh man. I tell you, That is the funniest scene ever in a movie. I, and the thing was, I remember what, back when it was coming, when the, when it was coming out, I was a huge fan of the Ali G show, and most mostly I liked it because of the Borat segments on the show. And I remember telling my wife and all my friends, I said, "Oh, there's this Borat movie, and that they're going to be making," and nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. And I literally had to drag them to the theater to see it. And I remember it only opened in 837 theaters its first weekend, and it led the box office that weekend with 26.4 million dollar take. So obviously they had this incredible take. Um, over $31,000 per screen. There were lineups to get in to see the movie. And of course, it opened up in wide release afterward because of that success. But I really don't think the distributors or the local movie theaters, I don't think they knew what to make of the movie when it first came out. And so a lot of them just passed on showing it. And then obviously it all changed, you know, when it beat all the other movies its opening weekend. It turned out to be a huge hit. And it was one of the funniest movies ever, ever made. That's my four. You know what's really weird about Borat too that a lot of people don't realize? How many, if you had to guess, put a number on it, how many actors do you think appear in that movie? Mm. Total. Oh, not too many. Not too five. many. Yeah, very, very few because a lot of Literally just, five. A lot yeah. of it's unscripted stuff that they did, right? The guys on the bus and everything. It's all unscripted. And that was the whole part of the old Ali G show was always, always this unscripted stuff that Borat would do. And oh God, it was so funny. Oh man, I loved it. All right. So that was your number. That's four. Under number? your three. All right, number three. Uh, I'm going to go with Anchorman. Uh, the Legend of Ron Burgundy obviously came out in 2004. Uh, borderline rated R movie, but somehow snuck in at PG-13, which, um, I mean, you could have gone either way on that. But uh, Christina Applegate, actually very, very funny in this movie. I, I As funny as Will Ferrell is, I think she actually makes the movie, um, which is – I love it whenever, like – you know, the, the supporting actor or actress kind of like steals the spotlight. And I think she does in this. Um, Steve Carell is obviously very funny, too. Um, but it just it, it's just such a perfect film. When you talk about rewatchability, this is one of the most rewatchable films. And uh, I will say this. I have another Will Ferrell movie uh, to make my top five that will come up to, you know, pretty soon. But um, just talking about like like this personification of like uh like every like newscaster you, you think of in like a big city you know like mr hotshot that he's like the like local hero he has like this ego that's larger than life and like i think he just like captures it so like obviously like it's it's satire but there is so much truth to it because like i can think of a guy like that down here in florida like i can think of like these these local news guys that they just perfectly fit the bill you know what i mean and like you always hear like these stories like i write articles and stuff like that on online about how you know 
a, a lot of these people who are in this industry, you know, you know, weathermen and and broadcasters, and and they're all like really crazy. They're all super super belligerent. Like they're all inappropriate. Like you've seen like the YouTube like bloopers and stuff like that. Where, like they don't realize that they're on camera and stuff. Like this is like a like an industry like where people don't realize like this is how things really operate. You know, to an extent, maybe maybe not as crazy as this is, but um, I mean, it, it's 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 just a perfect film, and it's crazy because like there are two members on, on this. Uh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but he plays Packer on The Office. I don't know if you watched The Office. Have we talked about this before? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So The Office is one of my favorite shows of all time. So obviously with Steve and like I said, the guy who plays Packer, I can't remember the actor's name, but um, it's just kind of weird where you see like multiple same actors from a different show or like a different movie and stuff like that. And they, they all kind of like go together. It's almost like they like recommended each other or like they're like looking up for parts, kind of like how um how uh, Rob Schneider does uh, with Adam Sandler, how they're always in each other's movies kind of thing. Um, but anyways, that's you know, it doesn't really make much sense. But just the idea of like, you know, Ron Burgundy and being in San Diego, he's the, uh, the, the male dominated broadcasting leader. You know, it's all about like this male type of thing. And whenever like a new woman comes in, like there's like this, like, you know, this, this horribly sexist dynamic. And it's just, it's super, super funny. I'm trying to think of like specific like quotes to like throw out about this movie, but I, for some reason I'm blanking. I don't know if you have one that you can like throw out there and like bail me out, but, um, Maybe maybe the uh, the scene where he uh, <laughs> he has an erection. God, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this. And he basically says it's like an optical illusion. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it, it's one of the funniest movies ever. I've probably watched this movie fifty times, Chris. So that's my number three, Anchorman. Yeah, number three. Okay. Um, I mentioned Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and I tell you what, if they made one of the funniest movies ever with South Park they were just getting warmed up because when they came out with team America world police in 2004, man, they outdid <laughs> themselves. I, I, I think those guys are always at their best when they're in a medium without actors. Like I think both Parker and stone have said that in the past, how much they hate actors. Right. And they, they do almost all the voiceovers on the TV show themselves. And the same was true for this movie, except uh, Darren Norris did spots with though. <laughs> he was so good. And, the, and oh, he was funny. And, and there was the celebrities Remember Matt Damon and, uh, oh, and Alec Baldwin. <laughs> remember, remember he did that film actors guild speech and, oh, yeah. and then that Broadway musical about a- everyone having AIDS. <laughs> and then there was that scene where Gary was uh, vomiting in the alley and it just keeps going and going like we say how much we like those kind of scenes um but i think the funniest part of the movie and probably one of the funniest scenes in the history of movies was that sex scene between the two marionettes and i tell yeah. you when that in the in the movie theater when i saw that i literally was off my chair on the floor losing my mind i just laughed so much it was so funny and i tell you i gotta tell you if you thought that scene was funny and i tell you if you didn't laugh at that scene you, you gotta be dead i think but if, if you thought that scene was funny in the theater you gotta check out the unrated version on the dvd um, have you seen it, Yancey, the unrated uh, Not version? the unrated, no, I haven't. Let's just say that there's a little bit of extra stuff added to the sex scene, and it's just insane. <laughs> it's Those two guys push the envelope like I've never, ever seen before. And you know what? I'm, gl- I'm glad they do because it, may- it makes for some of the funniest stuff ever put into a, into a movie. I would say this. Uh, Parker and Stone are two of the funniest human beings on the planet. No two ways mm-hmm. about it. So that's my number three. What's your two? Uh, and they're just unapologetic too. Like they don't care who they piss off. I love that. Like there's never any like stepping around like people's feelings or anything like that. They just go for it. So um, number two for me, I think I'm gonna go with Superbad. Uh, came out in 2007, the year I graduated from high school. Uh, it is a 
hilariously funny movie, obviously with Jonah Hill, Michael Sarah, uh, Christopher Mintz Plass. He's, you know, he's uh, Fogel. Bill Hader's in it. Seth Rogen's in it. Emma Stone. Uh, just a really, really good cast. Like, you know, this is, you know, Seth Rogen's been around for a little while. He co-wrote it. Um, but there's like a ton of actors in there too who kind of like were just getting their start and stuff and now they're much bigger obviously but I mean just dealing with like McLovin and the whole premise of like the film and like going to like the party and like you know putting beer and like what was it like Tide bottles and stuff like that um, I mean all the quotes and everything like this the, you know the chicka chicka yeah um, you know the fact that like he has uh, you know McLovin has like a fake ID and like it's Hawaii like why is it Hawaii are you kidding me like it's just it's I mean, it's it's so absurd. Uh, I think the first time I watched this, I was actually at a party. Like I said, I was a senior in high school, and uh, I'm watching it. And the part where he says, like, <laughs> you know, where McLovin comes out and he's wearing like that like tan colored like orangish brownish vest over like a white long sleeve shirt, and they said, "You look like Aladdin." I just remember <laughs> dying, like dying. You know what I mean? I just, oh my god, the, the movie is just you know something like eight percent of kids do it, but whatever, like. I, I I don't even know or maybe with like McLovin where he's talking about like it's in you know what I'm talking about I you got to give me something here Chris have you seen this movie oh yeah of course or, or I have I just, no I've okay. seen it I, one of my favorite parts is how Jonah Hill too the way he delivers his lines in the movie almost come across as like improvisational like it's just yes. it's incredible the performance that he gets because it's just such a throwaway his lines it's just like like he's not even acting it's just ah brilliant brilliant yeah. stuff but the movie has a big heart you know even at the end you realize it's about their friendship you know, and they're going different ways at the very end. Um, I really liked that movie a lot. I laughed a lot when I saw that movie, but I, I really enjoyed it. Funny enough, uh, the, the Bill Hader and um, and Seth Rogen characters, though, I felt every time that they came on screen, I felt that the movie just all the air went out of the movie. I didn't I didn't like so? yeah I didn't like them at all every scene that they were in the whole movie came to a, creech, a screeching halt for me but then when, when the other two were back in it with Sarah and uh, and Jonah Hill oh man those two were funny God they were yeah. funny in that movie. Uh, I'll leave you with one more quote. The uh, the whole you use my leg as a tampon scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, for the party. Yeah. See, this is what's so hard about like talking about these comedy movies and stuff. Like it's it's hard to convey it without basically like running down the entire scene. You know what I mean? Exactly. Because there's just so much stuff that's involved with yeah. it. So like, I mean, obviously, if anybody has seen Superbad before, any of the movies that we're talking about, they, they they can relate. And they're just laughing even as I like stumble through this, like trying to explain why it's funny. But like all I can just say is like go watch these movies. If you haven't seen Superbad before, you obviously need to. I've, I, this is another movie that's super rewatchable. It's incredibly funny. And like McLovin is just like a freaking American hero. Like I, I just love this movie so much. That's my number two. Okay, my number two is Airplane from 1980. And it it's really this movie started the whole that whole like I don't know what you would call it like the extreme sight gag movie sub genre you know like movies like like Top Secret and The Naked Gun and Hot Shots they're they're all a result of Airplane and I know like Pat Proft and Neil Israel they try to like push the genre a lot further but I tell you it's Abram Zucker and Zucker they kill it with Airplane the jokes the sight gags that they're coming at you like machine gun fire in this movie and the the thing is the movie is basically a remake of the B movie Zero Hour. And they go and they get all these like well-known dramatic actors for the movie because they had like Lloyd Bridges and Robert Stack and Robert Hayes, Peter Graves, and of course, Leslie Nielsen. Because at the time, believe it or not, Leslie Nielsen was a dramatic actor before Airplane. And, and it was only his success with Airplane when he kind of reinvented himself as a comedic actor. He went on to do Police Squad and then that launched the Naked Gun movies. But it was it was these actors they brought in and their ability just to play it straight that made Airplane just work so well. But I tell you, one of my favorite parts of the movie is, and you've seen the movie, I'm assuming. 
No, I haven't. Okay, I dude. We'll okay. Talk about this at the oh, of the yeah. Show. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if this is one of the ones that you saw. Or I haven't seen. You, you, you have, you have to watch this movie. So there's these two guys that speak jive. Okay, and they're they're, they're sitting beside <laughs> they each other. Speak jive. They speak jive <laughs> to each other, and, and and so when they speak jive, it's all this jumbled stuff, and they run subtitles under them to show you what they're actually saying. It is some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen so like they're talking the guy's like oh yeah you know that that honky must be messing my old lady gonna be run cool upside down his head and it says like the subtitles like golly that white fellow should stay away from my wife or i will punch him and then the other guy's like oh yeah something say i won't say pray to jay i get the same old same old and then it's like i knew a man in a similar predicament and he ended up being sorry and then they, they just go on and on it's just so funny oh my god and they say all this stuff and then i remember at the end he's like they're like leg it down and smack him yak him yeah cole got to be you know and it says how true and he said it says golly for the subtitle it's just so funny oh and then later on the stewardess of course comes by and she's trying to understand what they're saying because they're trying to order dinner and she has no idea what the hell they're talking about like she's like hey you guys want dinner and he's like hey bad babe stop me a piece of the pole to drink side run the java and it says like i want steak and coffee and the other guy's like, oh, yeah, man, I could grease some chomp and chomp it on some butter and drag it through the garden. And it's like, I'll have the fish. <laughs> like, it's just so <laughs> funny. And then later on, one of them gets sick and the stewardess doesn't understand him. So that there's this little old lady comes by and she's like, oh, excuse me, stewardess, I speak jive. And it's Barbara Billingsley from Leave it to Beaver. June Cleaver, like, oh like the whitest of the, of the white women on the planet. And she's like, I speak jive. And then she speaks jive and interprets to them you know for, to the thing it is oh man you gotta watch the movie it's so funny the, the two jive dudes are just my favorite part of the whole movie I think it's one of the funniest movies ever so it's my number two everybody says that too like I said as I was doing research like every single list you can possibly think of talks about airplane oh no every, for good reason for good reason such a classic it is it, it's like it, non-stop non-stop the jokes in it I don't want to give any other ones but the two guys speaking jive man I think their names are like Scott and Arthur oh man it's the best thing ever Word. All right. So my number one film is a 2008 film, and it is Step Brothers. Uh, <laughs> Step Brothers obviously is starring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley uh, as Brennan Huff and Dale Doback. Um, they're both adult boys, basically. Um, you know, they have the bodies of adults, but for whatever reason, they have the mental aptitude of like a 16-year-old boy or maybe even younger. Uh, and they're both still living with their, you know, respective parents uh whenever they're uh you know with the mom on one side and the dad on the other they decide to move in together and they're basically getting married so these two adult sons are forced to live together and it is a stupid premise it is a really really dumb movie um but it is god is it funny um i mean obviously they they start out as as foes and they learn to become like best friends you know did we just become best friends yup you know like it's it doesn't take very long for like the whole film to you know to kind of get going in that way but um like some of the most notable like lines and scenes and stuff like that where you know they talk about you know putting their you know making bunk beds whatever so they can have more room for activities or you know doing karate in the garage or he asks them you know why why are you sweating and it was really because he's playing his drum set but he tells them because he's watching cops um i say <laughs> i can't tell you how many times at least once a week my wife and i will say to the other like i'll come home and she'll be like why are you sweating and it's literally the response is i was watching cops like over and over um I th I'm almost positive I watched this in theaters whenever it first came out, like that opening weekend. And like you were talking about some of the films you've seen before, just just rolling, like just dying laughing. I remember laughing so hard that like my sides hurt, you know, because I have a brother. Um, I don't think you have a brother. You have sisters, right? You have two sisters. And like 
just like the dynamic between them, you know, even though they're, like I said, two adult men, they're technically stepbrothers. So they haven't grown up together, but just like the dynamic between like two people interacting with each other, like especially two males that are close in age and the stupid stuff that goes on, like it really struck a nerve because like that's how my brother and I are together. It's just, it's stupid. We say stupid stuff. We do stupid things. Like we would literally build forts and we would do stupid stuff like, you know, if we went to be, you know, auditioning or interviewing for a janitorial job, we would go wearing, you know, tuxedos. And, you know, obviously Seth Rogen is in this movie too, which I didn't realize, but um, I'm not sure how you feel about that. But it is just a fantastic film. It's super funny. Um, on a rewatchable scale, like one to 10, like it's like a nine. Like I can keep watching it over and over again. And, you know, six, seven years after this movie came out, like I'm still like regularly quoting this movie all the time. It just has amazing staying power. So that's my number one is Step Brothers. Okay, my number one <clears throat> on a scale of one to 10 for rewatchability, it's a 125. And that's Blazing Saddles from 1974. This movie would never get made today because on the surface, it just comes off as being like one of the most offensive movies ever made. Uh, probably a lot to do with the fact that it, it really has a lot of gratuitous use of the N-word in it. However, when you watch the movie, though, you realize it's the people that use that word and the, the ones that have those racist attitudes. They're the ones that the movie's making fun of. Because one of the lines in the movie is, I remember the Waco kid says, uh, he goes, you got to remember, these are just simple farmers. They're the people of the land. They're the common clay. You know, morons. It, it almost like degrades them, yeah. Yeah. And so the basic premise is it's like back in the 1800s. Uh, they, okay, so the guys, they want to build a railway through the West, right? But in order to prevent it from like going way off course and like way over budget, sort of the powers that be, they want to they wanna put the railroad right through this town. Rock Ridge is the town they want to put it through. But the, they know the people that live there, they're never going to let them put, you know, it's their home, right? They're not going to let them put a, a railroad through it. So they decide, hey, we got an idea. Let's send a black sheriff to the town. Because the idea is that they'll never accept a black sheriff because they're a bunch of racists. So they figure once the sheriff gets there, the people are going to be so offended, they're all going to leave the town and then they just put the railroad through it. But as it turns mm. out, he's a great guy and the people actually find that they actually need him. And so it all works out. But I t man, oh man, it, al along the way, the story, it, it is one of the funniest movies ever made, ever. There's literally a hundred quotes or scenes from the movie. Uh, the, the late great Gene Wilder is in this movie. He was unfreaking believable. He's the Waco kid, and and believe it or not, this movie was actually nominated for three Oscars when it came out. It was up for best uh, best uh, supporting actress Madeline Kahn, best film editing, and best uh, original song. And Frankie Lane, he he sings the theme song for it. And you, the movie opens up, <clears throat> and this guy is just singing his heart out on this song. And he didn't even realize because you know they got him in the studio to sing this great song, and he didn't even realize it's a spoof movie you know but mm -hmm. I gotta tell you the, the, the funniest thing about this movie for me is a piece of trivia that and I still think it, it's the funniest movie ever made and, but funny as, as, as it is the funniest joke of all didn't even make it into the movie the censors wouldn't allow it okay so there's a scene where Madeline Kahn she plays Lily Von Stupp she's sent into the sheriff's bedroom to try and seduce him Okay, and mm -hmm. she goes in and she turns out the light, and so it goes pitch black, right? And you can just hear them. And she says to him, "Is it true what they say about you people being gifted?" And then you hear a zip, and then she says, "Oh, oh, it's true, it's true." And the scene is over. Funny, you know, you laugh when it, but there was supposed to be one more line in that movie, and the censors wouldn't allow it. After she says, "Oh, it's true, it's true," the sheriff then has a line, and he says. I hate to break it to you, lady, but you're sucking on my arm. Oh, my, my, my. 
<laughs> and they cut it out. They wouldn't allow it in the movie. And it's so funny, all the offensive stuff in that movie, and that's what they cut out. You gotta go figure. But I tell you, if if you if you if you haven't seen it, Yancey, obviously you, you said you haven't, go see it. You gotta watch it. And, and and if anyone out there that's seen it, go back and watch it again, because it is the funniest film ever made, no questions asked. All right, time now to have some fun with Yancey. Okay, I'm going to make this easy for you this week. I'll tell you, I'm just going to give you like a one-line synopsis of a movie and see if you can guess the movie. And it's the good thing, it's a funny movie. So you know it's like a super, super funny movie. And I'm going to go real easy on you. The first couple that I had here, you've already mentioned. So King Arthur and his knights embark on a low-budget search for the grail, encountering many very silly obstacles. Mm-hmm. Yep, that is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. All right, and the next one is very easy too. Two codependent high school seniors are forced to deal with separation anxiety after their plan to stage a booze-soaked party goes awry. Super bad. You got it. Okay, yes. let's get a little bit harder now. But I think you're still going to get this one pretty easy. Jake Blues, just out of prison, puts together his old band to save the Catholic home where he and brother Elwood were raised. The Blues Brothers. There we go. Almost, right. almost made my list, by the way. It was oh, only I love short that movie. List. Love that movie. Uh, okay, goaded by his buddies, a nerdy guy who's never done the deed only finds the pressure mounting when he meets a single mother. Is this 40-year-old virgin? It is. Yes. All right. At a 1962 college, Dean Vernon Wormer is determined to expel the entire Delta Tau Chi fraternity, but those troublemakers have other plans for him. Mm. Came, out, uh, came out in 1978. As soon as you say this, I'm going to know this. It's like one of those really popular ones that I have not seen. John Belushi, know. isn't it? Uh, oh, we just talked about this a couple shows ago. Oh, what is it? I'm supposed to watch this. You told me to watch this. Animal House. Um, Animal House, that's what it is. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Ugh. I'll make it a little bit easier, okay? Two slacker friends try to promote their public access cable show. Mm. 19, uh, 1992. A public access cable show? Based on an SNL skit. I don't know, Christopher. What is it? It's Wayne's World. I've honestly never seen Wayne's World. Oh my either. Gosh. Can you believe that? Oh man, you and I. We Isn't gotta, this disgusting? We got to talk so after the show. I tell you. Okay, the last one. President Scrooge sends Lord Dark Helmet to steal Planet oh. Druidia's <laughs> abundant supply of air to replenish their own, and only Lone Star can stop them. It's Spaceballs, man. Yay! So you see that from eighty-seven? How, how, how did uh, how did uh, Pizza the Hut die? Uh, I don't. Did the guy eat him? He ate himself to death. He ate himself to death. Oh, that's right. There you go. <laughs> hey, man, I'll tell you, that's all the time we got. Lots of funny stuff this week. If you'd like to reach out to us again on Twitter, at Yancey Eaton or at C. McBrien. Or again, shoot us an email, Chris or Yancey at popgoesyourworld.com. This is Chris McBrien for Yancey Eaton saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 